All right, we're back. The phone systems are working. The internet is working. It's weird. Every week. Yeah, something. I blame it on you. Do you remember that metal thing in your head from yep. Nom? Yep. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, usually I help the Wi-Fi with it, but I get guess a little today's, better signal. Yeah, not today. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Thanks for tuning in. We have been here live mostly every Saturday uh, <laughs> between 1 and 5 for the last 14 years. Wow. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thanks, Puddin. That's amazing. Thanks. Simpsons have gone 30, so, I mean, you've got a way to go, but still. <laughs> uh, see a person. What a great name. Yes. Like, we've got a, I know she's had this her entire life, but before I intro her anymore, I want to go right to the name. Uh, let's, let's just talk to her right now. Sia, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. See, we've had just an enormous technical difficulty today. So, your okay, name, no your name is um, a topic of conversation. Uh, I'm sure at every social function that you go to. True story. You have no idea. <laughs> right. So, Sia Sunrise Person. Yes. Uh, obviously, you were raised with uh, patchouli in your life. <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah. And other smelly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but am I pronouncing it all right? See a person? Yeah. See a person. That's it. That's so um, ethereal. I don't know. Yes. Oh, the only thing that yeah, I love that adjective. And I wish other people would describe it like that. It's kind of been like this, the bane of my existence my entire life. Um. And I wanted to change it. I wanted to be Cindy or Stephanie, like you have no idea. Yeah. But I hung on to it. And I guess, you know, now that I've written a couple of books about my life, I'm happy that I did because sure. they, my name is so relevant to my story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could have been named Marsha, and then your whole life it would have been Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And that's, that's not cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, Sia's, you know, it's got a ring to it, I guess. Well, a few years ago, Sia Sunrise Person wrote a memoir which became an instant bestseller and has been selling steadily ever since in North of Normal. She wrote with grace and candor. I'd like to know who those two people are. About her unconventional childhood, her early years living in a teepee in Alberta with her pot-smoking, free-loving, counterculture family who named her. <laughs> the numerous misadventures she survived with her mother and her mother's boyfriends and the bold escape Sia made from her family at the age of uh, 13 through a modeling career. So let's just pause there for a second. Um, how much therapy have you been in? <laughs> Not as much as you'd think. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I did some therapy in my late 20s, but um, it, it really didn't help me that much. And it realized, uh, it kind of made me realize that I, you know, it sort of like ripped the scab off, but that left you know, this gaping wound that was yet to heal. And so I do credit writing my books with a lot of my healing. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, therapy, it's not, hasn't really been my thing. Mm. What has been your thing? I mean, because you've been very mm, transparent in how <laughs> you've shared your guts. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's why people are digging it. Um, yeah. But, but um yeah, how how have you gotten through? I mean, some people we we all grab onto something in order to get through, and whatever gets you through the night. What's gotten you through the night, Sia? Well, it's it's been such a long, long journey, and um, what has gotten me through? If I had to narrow it down to one thing, it would just be determination. Um, I've always had this very, very strong drive to make my life into what I wanted it to be, and um, you know, I started off 
my life with um, uh, in a completely different place than where I wanted to be. And so it took many years of struggle and, and bad choices and realizations and learning the same lesson over and over again <laughs> until I finally got there. Uh, but and so I, I am I am at the best place in my life I've ever been. I am at the place that I set out to be. But it took um, so much determination and perseverance. Uh, the book I have in my hand, Nearly Normal, Surviving the Wilderness, My Family and Myself. Um, do you think people are going to read this book and expect, uh, have the same expectations as the last book and be disappointed? Is there anything you want to clear up that this is not that book in such and such a way? I mean, if you want to hold your 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 readers' hands in transitioning <laughs> from what they read to what they're going to read. How do you hold their hands in that transition? What do you want to prepare them for when they when they okay. read your next book? Yeah, so that is a really great question. Um, what, bef- before the book came out, I was stark terrified. I had fantasies of calling up my publisher and just saying it's off <laughs> because I was just so worried that you know I had this like this standard that I felt pressure to live up to because North of Normal had been successful. And I heard from so many readers who related to my story and they wanted more. You know, that's why I wrote my second book. They wanted more of my story. And so they gave me the courage to write it. So when I was writing it, I was aware of two things. And that was that, you know, I didn't want to rehash the same material. I didn't want to tell the same story. I wanted to dig deeper and I wanted it to make no mistake, it was not North of Normal, it was a different book. And so I wrote it in a completely different structure. And I would say that if North of Normal was what happened to me, Nearly Normal is more what I did as a result of my childhood. And so it's a lot about the healing process, it's very insightful, it's very personal. And so that's what I was worried about. I thought, who, you know, are people really going to connect with this journey that is so personal to me? Um, But it's been incredible. I mean, the book has been out, I guess, three weeks now. And it's just been uh, the same sort of outpouring as I had with with North of Normal from my readers. And so that's been incredibly gratifying and and a big relief. (laughs) Okay, so how... hmm. I'm just wondering how you, uh, as a parent, I'm a parent, uh, I think most parents are worried about how we are screwing up our kids. Mm -hmm. And a lot of your story was about what you grew up in and how it impacted you and how you turned out as a result of that. But I want to ask you, how how have you screwed up your own kids? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I ask myself that question every day. Um, you know, I, I don't think I have, I mean, I, I'm not a perfect parent at all, but, um, I think the only risk that, that, you know, they might run is that I live, we live quite a sheltered life now. It's very different from my own upbringing. You know, we live in the, the suburbs and it's very safe and protected and there's very few obstacles and challenges that they need to, to face. And, so I worry a lot about that, and I try to talk with them all the time about the realities of the world, and I tell them a lot about my own story because I think that gives them a real, like, personal, you know, touchstone of, you know, here it is, like, someone in their family, their own mother, who had to survive through a lot, and I think that they actually feel that. They they recognize, in a way, 
you know, they do recognize that they've got it really good. And, and I also try very hard to take those opportunities of when they are failing and they're facing a challenge and, and let them work through it themselves. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure I'm doing something horribly wrong and I'm sure that someday they're going to hate me for some reason. Yes, they will. uh, but you know, for now it's all, it's all pretty good. They're still pretty young too. Well, her new book, Nearly Normal, is a continuation and furthering of her story. Again, we're on the uh, line with Sia Person, author of Nearly Normal, Surviving the Wilderness, My Family and Myself. Uh, she outlines pieces of her life that she omitted from the first book. At the age of 37, uh, Sia has built a life that looks like the normal one she craved as a child. you got the husband, the young son, the beautiful house, the enviable career... But uh, her carefully art-directed world is about to crumble around her as she confronts the death of her still young mother, the disintegration of her second marriage, and the demise of her business. All within just a few months, she finally faces the need to look at her past to make sense of her present. So, basically, you turned into a walking country song for a little time there. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I guess I did. (laughs) Um, What? What was the darkest? What hurt the most? I mean, it's a brutally unfair question. Uh, you know, I guess what hurt the most is that I felt like I'd already kind of been through enough. Mm. And I just was like, I just am ready to have, like, can I just, like, sit back and maybe ha- get a break, you know, and just, like, enjoy my life for a little while? But it doesn't work that way because if you don't deal with the issues of your past, they will catch up with you. And and they catch caught up with me in, in the worst way in my 30s because I had actually fooled myself into thinking that I had everything that I wanted. And, and then every day waking up wondering why I was so miserable every day and then finally realizing that um, I had just done everything wrong, you know you know, made the wrong choices, married the wrong person, you know, had no, I had no sort of business starting a business because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, my mother was dying of cancer. And, and so it, it was just very dark because I did not how to know how to get out of that. You know, I, I, I didn't see an escape and um, it took me years to dig myself out of that hole. But writing was, was, you know, the catalyst. How long ago did your mom die? Uh, almost 10 years ago. How old was she? 54. Cool. That's the same age my mom was when she died. Really? Wow. And my mom died the same night my son was born. You're kidding. That was trippy. That is crazy. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, well, I feel the same about you. That's, that's just too young. Just too young. Yeah, it's much too young. Much too young. Um, do you... Did you set things right with your mom before she died? As much as we could. Um, you know, I reflect on that a lot in in my second book and how our relationship was just so, so complex that there was no way I could ever completely accept or reject her. And so it just became this continuing sort of thing between us where we would try and then she would do something that would remind me of, every reason that she'd failed me and we'd be back to a bad place and then we'd try again and 
it was just this continuous cycle. But, you know, before she died, I feel like we got as close as we ever had been. Uh, we never had any, like, big conversations of, you know, about the past. But um, I felt pretty good about things when she passed away. See, that was that was a heavy thing uh, for me. Uh, you know, it's so interesting how many times I like to interject my life into someone else's interview. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was walking the Camino, I just I came off the Camino uh, recently, I walked a thousand kilometers, mm-hmm. did three months in a vow of silence. And wow. when, I, when I was walking through Lyon in Spain, my mom's name was Lyon, and it forced, a, a, purged me. There was a lot of stuff that came to the surface. And, and I wrote my mom, who's been dead for 28 years, a letter mm-hmm. when I was staying in this convent. And wow, the floodgates opened up and I lost it. I mean, I was like shaking, crying, and it was it was embarrassing, really. From, but yeah. I, but no, no one else saw it. I was in a, just a, a room. Anyway, um, my point is... It's been 10 years. Is there anything, le- well, like what's left over? What's still popping up when it comes to um, issues with your mom, mom issues? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I see I see little snippets of her in, in myself as a parent. Uh, my, my, you know, when I get really, really frustrated and impatient with my children, I think about the way she would relate to me and I realize how difficult it was for her as a single mother being, you know, 16 when she had me. Um, And, uh, but, you know, I have to say, I I feel like I've done a pretty good job of like the, the issues that I used to, you know, I used to follow her pattern in relationships, um, going after men who were interested in me and I, I didn't pick them. I just let them pick me. And, that was like such a horrible realization when I realized that that was something I was doing in my life. But I, I'm now very happily married. And and so that main sort of thing doesn't come up anymore. Um, so, I mean, I'm, it's not perfect, but I'm, I I don't have that feeling every day of like, oh, God, this is a mom thing. Right, you right, know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're the perfect person to have a discussion about what love is and isn't. Because if anybody has a right to weigh in in this this conversation mm-hmm. it's you you have been you have been in and out of love you have questioned love you have been i'm going to go out there on a limb and say you have been used mm-hmm. um and you're now telling us that you're happily married how do you know that you're happily married because i finally have the right person in my life and I, I really do believe that it's a matter of compatibility more than anything. Um, when you're trying to force a situation between two people that just isn't going to work, it's never going to work. And I didn't know that. You know, when I started going out looking for a partner, the example that I'd seen and the belief that I had was that relationships are a lot of work. And you choose someone and then you work on it and you work and you work and you somehow make it, you know, you, you somehow stay together and you struggle through your differences. And so that's the basis that I chose both of my first husbands on. Um, and I really didn't know that, you know, it's a lot easier if you just wait for the right person. When I met my third husband, I was like, wow, this is so easy. 
And, you know, we had so many things. Our values were so similar, our personalities, our sense of humor, all these things. Um, and, you know, we've been together for nine years now, I think nine years, eight something. And, <laughs> you know, but no, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, we have our moments where we disagree and stuff. But overall, it's just easy, you uh-huh. know. We just work things out if they come up, and they rarely come up because we're very we're we're, we're just on the same page. You know, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of what our show is uh, about. So we they, uh, vaguely, I, yes, yeah. So they they call us Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show, probably because yeah. I th- I think we're the only one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and I so I ask a lot of people about what they believe spiritually, and come on, you could you just there's no way you grew up with what you grew up in, and and now you're sitting there and you must have some kind of spiritual ethos, right? Some kind of hmm. oh yeah thoughts yeah. about about the the uh, the other world. Absolutely. What, what yeah. do you what do you think is out there? Do you think there's a god? Do you think there's a creator? Is it a is it a like? Would you are you an agnostic, an atheist? I, why don't I just keep asking questions? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm not an atheist. I um, and I don't even know what an agnostic is. <laughs> and um, I, I, I hesitate to say I believe in God because that brings to mind a picture of a person up in the heavens. And but um, you know what I, and I'm confused about my own beliefs. I can't. I don't pretend to have the answers. That's for sure. But I definitely believe in the spiritual world. In um, you know, our souls living eternally. And I, I strongly believe that my mother sent me my my husband after she died. Interesting. I really feel like she tried to, like, atone for some of her mistakes by sending me this really great man when I needed him the most. And um, I, I, uh, I do, I spend a lot of time thinking about it, and I feel like, you know, I believe that there are guardian angels, and I believe that my mother, when I think of her dying, I feel like she's gone on to this, like, higher purpose of perhaps helping or protecting other people. And um, I, I find it really fascinating, and I, I almost kind of look forward to, you know, going to the other side one day and figuring out what it's all about. <laughs> Have you just Let's just go there for a second. What has been the, uh, I mean, have you had any near-death experiences? What's been the closest you've come to jumping over the, to the other side? Yeah, I mean, probably the time that I fell, uh, if readers have read North of Normal, I fell through the ice, and that was very terrifying. I, I was, you know, I was rescued. I would not call it a near-death experience, because I certainly didn't, like, leave my body or anything like that. Um so no I can't I can't I can't claim to have been in that position. Um your first book was such a roaring success as they say. Has <laughs> it really changed your world? Is is your life different as a result of having a successful book North of Normal? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing I was saying this to someone the other day that like I worked so hard to create this normal life and I now have it. However, because I've written two books about that life, it has now catapulted me into this, again, not so normal place, (laughs) if that makes sense. It's a very strange thing to uh, make, uh, create a living and a career around your past story. Um, 
so yeah, I, 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 my life has definitely changed since my books have come out, um, for the better, for sure. And this is something that I explore in, in nearly normal is that, um, I was so, you know, confused and at odds about my childhood because to me it felt totally weird and bizarre and yet my family always made me feel like I was the one with the problem like that I was just too uptight that I just couldn't deal with their choices you know so I had all the problems and so having my books published and acknowledged by you know first by a publisher and then by the public saying oh my gosh I can't believe how crazy your story is has changed my life because I now realize that I wasn't crazy and that I did have a right to those feelings. Huh. And so that's been a, a really great validation for me. And it's helped me, I think, go on with my life in a happier way. We are chatting with Sia Person. Uh, she is the author of Nearly Normal, Surviving the Wilderness, My Family and Myself. SiaPerson.com. That's C-E-A Person.com. By the way, let's just stay with that title just for a second. Uh, surviving the wilderness, my family and myself, which was harder, which was harder to survive. <laughs> oh, myself, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have to say that, you know, the, the problems that I experienced with myself, they were a result of my family. You know, uh, of course, I learned to take responsibility and say, OK, I'm a grown up now and I, you know, <laughs> let's get on with things here. Yeah. But uh, but, you know, we all we are all so deeply affected by our family of origin and it, it causes, you know, it, it can be a wonderful or a really terrible thing. And it takes many people many, many years to recover from things well, that happen. I, I want to get into even more awkward stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, you, um, well, you were a model, uh, you, mm-hmm. so you were a very aesthetically pleasing person. I was told recently that I shouldn't say, I, I shouldn't compliment women on being beautiful. I certainly shouldn't <laughs> use the word hot, right? Is Tim, is that? That's why I chose the Foxy song instead of using the word hot. Right. Okay. All right. So, um, I, I, I have so many questions around this because I have a theory about extra uh, extra aesthetically pleasing people. Mm-hmm. What is it? I think I think that they don't have to develop certain attributes because they're able to rest on their beauty. They're able to lean on their beauty, so they don't. They're not forced to develop certain certain personality traits. What do you oh, think? Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know about personality traits well, in particular, no. but I say skills for sure. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I mean, for sure, like when I was modeling, the big thing with me and my friends was always, this is great. We're riding this awesome train, but what are we going to do when we're done? We, you know, we had no idea. And, um, and I definitely, when I finished modeling, I didn't have a clue because I had not developed any skills. I just like, my life was all about just like my looks, (laughs) And it's not a pretty realization to come to, you no, know. No. And beauty does fade. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. <laughs> um, so she reminds me, Tim, of uh, my friend uh, Tracy Melkier. Yes. Uh, just even the way she talks, she has the mm-hmm. same resonance in her voice. Yeah. You need to look up Tracy Melkier uh, from the States. There's a, I think there's a Canadian television personality named Tracy Melkier. Oh. T-R-A-C-Y-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R. Wasn't she on a soap opera or something? Yeah, she's been on a ton of different soap operas. Um, Oh, okay. Anyway, you guys have have the same kind of resonance in your voice. Okay, your kids. How many kids again? Sorry, how many? Three. 
Three kids, so one of each. That's my usual joke, but I'll bum. Um, <laughs> how, what are the genders of your children? I have my two oldest boys, and then my little girl is my, my baby girl. Do, yes. you, do you want your baby girl to be a model? Oh, yeah, for sure. If she's into it, I would never like initiate it and say, hey, let's take you down to the agency. Um, but if she ever came to me or my boys, if they came to me and oh, yeah. said, this is something I want to try, I would say absolutely, because I, you know, I, I can't pretend to know the business as well as I did because it's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. But I do still know it quite well. But the difference is that, you know, the difference between my career and theirs would be that, you know, I did it all by myself. I was in New York and Paris when I was, you know, barely a teenager by myself. Um, I would go with them every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they would never do this by themselves. My uh, intern here just pointed out the fact that I just asked a sexist question. Because I asked about your daughter being a model. I didn't ask anything about I, I your son. I corrected you. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to be a model, Drew. Did you? Yeah, I was the before picture. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well done. Folks, we are giving away a copy of today's HarperCollins Canada book to one of our Facebook followers. But there's a catch. You have to be one of our Facebook followers. Uh, and from Canada. And you have to include your address. So send us a private message on the Drew Marshall Show Facebook page. And you could win a copy of today's book from HarperCollins Canada. And, of course, today's book is Nearly Normal, Surviving the Wilderness, My Family and Myself, uh, written by this lovely lady, Sia Person. Um, and the full name on the book is Sia Sunrise Person. <laughs> but I can't say that without tripping over it and getting like a 12-year-old silly boy giggling at your name. I'm such an idiot. It's a ridiculous name. Try going through life with it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love that picture, by the way. That is a great great oh, shot I, I love i was so happy they used that one that was my favorite childhood picture it's so. almost it's almost norman rockwellish mm, it is almost you're right mm. never thought of that before thank you. thank you i'm here all week um mm. you're and and can i just say that i like when people put pictures in books because it really helps me because i last book oh. i read was a hardy boy book so <laughs> did you figure out the mystery before i did i so nice. nailed it um i've said that four times in the last hour i need to not do that anymore. you're just like chet morton tell me tell me about tell me about the grief you felt when apache died oh yeah that was really awful you know but i i was very young so i only have i have snippets of sort of that you know whole memory a lot of that story was told to me by my grandfather um but what was, yeah what was your grandpa's name uh, Papa Dick. Okay. Yeah. So Apache was this horse that uh, I used to ride. The you know the the First Nations people um, across the river from us would let me ride, and just an amazing beast. And um, yeah, it was really really devastating. Um, and then shortly after that, of course, my dog died. Oh. So, so back to that country it, song again. <laughs> What what's interesting is that as an adult, I don't like dogs and horses. Huh. Wow, you just don't <laughs> want to you just don't want to fall in love with something that is going to die. I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a funny thing. Yeah. See, I grew up in the funeral business, so I'm not. A, I I don't want to fall in love with anyone. <laughs> Ever. Um, you are you are a fascinating human being. You are a hmm, organic writer. You know, it's it's. It's like you are letting. It's like we're sitting down and having a coffee with you. It's very, right. very relaxed, very engaging, very entertaining, and there's pictures. What more do you want? 
what more? Come on, people, buy the book. <laughs> buy the book. All right. Well, what a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Drew. See ya. And uh, the website again is see a person, C-E-A, see a person dot com. And again, we're giving away a, a copy of... Uh, of Sia's book today, Nearly Normal, Surviving the Wilderness, My Family and Myself, on our Facebook page. So send us a private message, and you got to be from Canada, too, though. Um, I wish you all the best out there in... Thank you. Are you in British Columbia? Is that where you're at? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. Right, where they have a Starbucks and a joint on every corner. <laughs> it's always 420 in, <laughs> yeah, that's in right. Vancouver. That's right. Thank you, Sia. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Uh, too fun. Too fun! I felt I should finish this with this song rather than uh, yeah, then the make sexist up. song. Yeah, that you played at the yeah. Beginning. Well, I didn't call her hot like you did. I didn't say that. I yeah, didn't. but you you said it by not saying it. I was told not to call you hot. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm trying. I'm just trying. You're gorgeous. Thanks, Puddin'. Watch my video again. Short break. <laughs> Short break.